the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. I was passing by a pawn shop over in the older part of town when something caught my eye and I stopped and turned around and I went inside and there I spied in the middle of it all this beat up old guitar hanging on the wall. What do you Welcome to the Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 45 and our guest for the second time is Verlin Thompson. Verlin is a legendary singer and songwriter originally from Oklahoma, who now makes his home in Nashville. Uh, Verlin spent many years writing songs for some of the biggest names in country music uh, before joining forces with the legendary Guy Clark as Guy's songwriting partner and guitarist. Verlin's written for the likes of Randy Travis, uh, Kenny Rogers, Sam Bush, Trisha Yearwood, uh, Jimmy Buffett, Alan Jackson, uh, many more have cut Verlin songs. Um, and, and in addition to that, he spent a really long time with Guy Clark and we cover both uh, of those facets of his life and, uh, times in his life during this conversation. The first time we caught up was way back in 2016 at the Skipper Dome, Skipper Smokehouse in Tampa, Florida. Um, that conversation went really deep and personal and this one picked up right where we left off. You can find all things Verlin at VerlinThompson.com. Verlin and I sat down at Spirit of the Swanee Music Park during Swanee Roots Revival this past October. Everyone, it is my distinct honor to present my conversation with the legendary Verlin Thompson. I never missed a lick. It was like a guitar played itself and there was nothing I could do. And it was getting hard to tell just who was playing who. When I finally finished, I was almost out of breath and my hands were shaking and, and my shirt was soaking wet And that old man jumped up and grinned and he said, where in the hell you been? He said, I've been waiting all these years for you to stumble in And then he grabbed an old beat up case and he said, go on, pack it up He said, you don't owe me nothing Yep, when he said good luck, there was something spooky in his voice And a strange look on his face and when I closed the lid, I saw my name was on that case. you for doing this again this is uh such an honor we had so much fun last time yeah new man. year's eve eve 2016 yeah we hopefully were... we won't get 
locked in and <laughs> have to break the law this time around. If you're, folks who are new to the show, Berlin and I talked in 2016 at Skipper Smokehouse yeah. when he played with uh, Don of the Buffalo, and they locked us in to the venue, and we couldn't find a way out. So Verlin, like in an old cowboy movie with his guitar on his back, kicked the back door open, and we sauntered off into the sunset. Said our goodbyes and rode off into the sunset. Such a fond memory. Um, and that time we talked, you and I talked a lot about sort of your process, and we went pretty deep on a lot of things. And um, we didn't go as deep on your time with Guy, and that's one of the things that you, you talk so much about, but I, that I mm. kind of was hoping we could go, go a little bit into during this talk. Um, and, I, you know, I, I watched a video the other day where you were um, – uh, it's from a few years ago where you kind of told the story of how you guys got together in the first place. Were you playing with Loretta Lynn at that time? I was writing for Loretta's publishing company. Okay. Yeah, that was my first. When I got to Nashville, uh, I, I stumbled into to that to Loretta Lynn's Coal Miner's Music, and she uh, hired me as a staff songwriter. Mm-hmm. And um, actually... I wrote for her for a year, and then she, uh, it turned out, you know, basically she was recording all of her own music, so she didn't really need a staff. I was basically a, a tax write-off. Oh, okay. <laughs> and once I figured that out, I went on down the street to CBS Songs, uh-huh. another publishing company, and Guy was a staff writer there, and I signed on there, and that's where we first met. Okay. Yeah. What is the the publishing those kinds of deals are like the, being a staff songwriter is just an interesting concept to me. Or were you showing up like lunch pail in hand, basically writing all day? Yeah, it was a it was a job. I had a little room and and I would go in there at you know ten o'clock every day or sometimes earlier, and uh, you know work till five o'clock and go home and and yeah. uh, sometimes writing by myself sometimes with other people and it was yeah i mean you know you have a quota that's why you have to write so many songs a year and uh and then basically what you're doing it's kind of like a a book advance you get an advance from the publishing company uh to live on and then when your songs get recorded they take their money back out of your royalties until they're paid up and then then you get you start getting money if there's wow. yeah so you know i did that for 20 years i was able to stay above the red line for 20 years uh, yeah in other words i stayed ahead of my advance and i it it at about 20 years i renegotiated the whole thing and then became a a, a co-publisher with uh with the the big company you know so then i i retained even more of my own royalties and uh, okay it's it's kind of like being a a doctor in in a group and then you know you you get invited to be a a part of the group yeah partner or whatever works but yeah it's it's crazy it's kind of stressful because you know You, uh, if you're not getting enough songs recorded, and it, 
and the royalties aren't covering your advance, then they look at the bottom line and, and you're gone. Yeah. And what, what saved me is I was not one of those guys that had a lot of big super hits. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if you have one or two hits, uh, that can cover you for several years. Right. But I was one of those guys. I got a lot of songs recorded, but they were a lot of them were album cuts that mm-hmm. never made it to the radio. But I had so many of those that I was I was covering the the nut every time, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I and I I made it work. Were you think? Would you think of us? Is that just you're cranking out the songs, or are you thinking of a particular artist um, th- that might cut that song when you're writing in that environment? You know, everybody does it differently, but I always just. I just tried to write the best song I could write yeah. as if I were going to perform it. You know? Yeah. And uh, the ones that I did occasionally try to customize it towards someone, uh, you know, for a certain act, it just never seemed believable. I never felt like that worked for me. Uh-huh. So I just quit trying that. I just kept writing the best song i could write and i, I kind of learned that from guy you know and uh it, and it really helped me i think had i continued trying to write for the radio i mm-hmm. think i'd have been out of out of business and uh, probably went back home to oklahoma that makes a lot of sense the that the craft is what you should be focused on right doing the best work that you can do rather than trying to fit it into somebody else's box or whatever you're writing a song you know you're proud of you're doing work you know you're proud of and then that's going to resonate with people because it's going to come across as true which is such a through line in your in your songs yeah and like guy said and i'm paraphrasing but he he told me because when I first started doing it, I thought, well, gosh, man, these songs are too personal. They're about m- mm. people I know yep. and things. And guy said, there's no, there's no such thing as too personal. He said, we're all living the same life. We're all just getting to these different checkpoints at different times. And he said, it, it doesn't matter. Write that song about whatever's happening to you. If this person doesn't get it today, in a couple of years, he'll hit that checkpoint where you were, and he'll go, oh, man, uh-huh. that's what that song is all about. And it just made it clear to me at that that's point. Awesome. It's like, okay, we're all living the same life, and the more personal, the better, because we're all going through the same stuff. I was just yesterday talking about the idea of certain classics whether it be song or 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 uh fiction um or even films certain classics that like i i wasn't ready for when i first consumed them and then when i consumed them later and i had different life experiences that connection point that you're able to make with a particular work later because you've gone through either that thing or something similar yeah right yeah. you you hit that checkpoint or one that's a whole lot like it enough for you that you you understand what what it was all about yeah yeah it's it's so simple but, yeah. <laughs> but we miss it you know you miss it yeah why do we miss it i gosh i because 
we're trying too hard. Uh, you know, we, uh-huh. we think every, uh, as a songwriter, you, you, you want to, you want every one of your songs to cover all the bases, the the emotions and the struggles and the drama and you, you know you and, the, and therefore you start trying too hard. You you try to put too much into it. Yeah. And really, what reveals the the, the drama and the struggles and the emotion is usually what you don't say. It's usually the holes that you leave that allows people to sit back and take a breath and think about it. Yeah. It's kind of like you let them, you just get, make a sketch and let them fill in the colors, which is so hard to do to hold back as a writer. You want to, you want to make it colorful and flowery Uh and, and exciting. But a lot of times it's that silence. It's that opportunity for the listener to go to their own place and fill in the the blanks right i think so much of that i think sometimes with as a writer and i'm not speaking for you here at all i'm just speaking for my own process is that uh i think ego gets involved sometimes where i'm like i can say this perfectly yeah i know (laughs) and if i'm not there then i'm going to keep working on it until it's perfect rather than trusting your your um, audience a yeah. little more. Yeah, you got to g- give your uh, audience credit. They, they're they're smarter than you think. Right, and and oftentimes smarter than you. You know, and so yeah. it's like, <laughs> yeah. I I I think about and I think about that with this show a lot. Like we have su- such a sophisticated listener base, and sometimes I'll say something, and then somebody will comment on it, and they'll say something way more interesting than what yeah, I said. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> And that's great, though. You know, that's a beautiful thing. I'm totally okay yes. with that. It's it's wonderful. I mean, so, I'm sorry. I, I cut no, you I mean it's you, you elicited the uh, the conversation, the thought that yeah. that got it going. You know. Yeah, like uh, Tupac Shakur said something to the effect of like, I I may not change the world, but I'll I'll spark the mind that does. Right. Something oh, like that. It's I pretty like sharp. That. Yeah. Um, are you conscious of? of making sure that you have those holes for them to fill like as you're writing do you back yourself off you know i think after all these years i i kind of do instinctively now because it's just been a thing that i've thought about and and worked on for so long uh i don't you know i just kind of i just kind of feel it i get to a point and i and I just feel, oh, there, I, there shouldn't be anything. There doesn't have mm. to be noise here. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It, you know, it's it's still trial and error every day. It's still, I, I don't have it figured out. That's exciting. Yeah. You've been doing this no. a long time. That's no, really it's exciting. beautiful. You know, and I teach a lot of writing classes now, and, uh, and that's still exciting, too, because as I teach, I... And I'm sure you probably know this, but mm-hmm. I, I learn yep. probably more than, I, than I'm teaching. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, and because you're deconstructing that process for somebody to make, it, to, to make it accessible for them. And deconstructing a process is really getting to the heart of what makes it tick. Yeah. And that's hard, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I do a little, uh, at the end of our songwriting course, I do a... a a presentation 
afternoon on presentation. I'd say, uh. now you've written the best song you think you can write. Now, how are you going to present it? And I go, I take two or three of my songs and I break it down to every single breath. I, I, I say, watch my index finger when I play this chord. Notice how I strummed downwards instead of upwards on that stroke. That's on purpose. I thought I thought through this because it gives more of a ringing sound. And ah. notice this pause right here. Notice how I break time for just a split second. That's to add a little anticipation. And I break it down to every note, every breath, every pause, uh, not to mention the words. Uh, it's more about the performance. Yeah. And I stress that this, you know, why would you paint a beautiful picture and put it in a shitty frame? Uh, uh-huh. You painted this beautiful picture. Now give it the best, most thoughtful presentation you can. Right. And it, 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 changes, it changes a mediocre song into a, a wonderful song and a wonderful song into a grand, fantastic song. Have you learned that just over time, or have you learned that by, by watching and playing with Guy and other uh, amazing artists over time, or, or is it a combination of... Uh, it's a combination. Yeah. Just doing it, you know, for, for 50 years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of it has happened by accident. Uh, a lot of it is I watch people, and I really pay attention, uh, and then I try to you know make mental notes and and like oh yeah man that would work so well if, if i did that at, at this point and yeah i mean even like this morning i did I, I was in in the middle of one of my songs and i just stopped and and explained something to mm. the audience mm -hmm. you know it for me it's uh you know, a song doesn't have to be just like, okay, we start here and we play all these notes and then we hit the last one and that's it. Yeah. It, if, if something happens in the middle of the song that you feel like uh, taking a breath and explaining, for me, it's, a, it's just a, it's a conversation. It, so, it's a conversation. It's not just a song. So was that not a planned moment? That was a, a, an inspired moment? or No, I, I, no it just occurred to me. I was playing a song uh, about my mom and her mandolin, and um, yeah. there's a line in there that says uh, it's about the hobos that used to come to their house, you know, uh -huh. and uh, and they would leave this secret mark on the gate for the other hobos that followed, and and it it meant stop a while and visit. They, They'll feed you beans and biscuits. They'll pick some boiling cabbage and down yonder while you wait. Now, when I sang that line, I stopped and I said, I want to explain to you guys what boiling cabbage and down yonder is. Mm -hmm. That's two songs. It's two old-timey songs. One's called Boiling Cabbage. Boiling cabbage down, down, boiling cabbage down, boys, boil it cabbage down, down, boil that cabbage down. It's an old, old-timey song, and Down Yonder is another old instrumental tune. So, it just, 
I just thought of it, and I thought this audience would love to know exactly yeah. what I'm. And then I played a little bit of both of those songs, and then went right back into my mom's song. Oh gosh, I hate that I missed that set <laughs> this morning. Damn it! So it was like a, you know, it was a little brief lesson in a yeah. just a conversation. You are good at that too. Like in in the series Barnegie Hall that you and your wife Demetria put together at out at your place right mm -hmm. and you had these songwriters come in and you guys talked process and you talked about different songs and then you had a little segment in there where you teach a little guitar lick <laughs> and i really enjoyed that as someone really? who's a very rudimentary guitar player and trying to get better it was really helpful for me to hear your process wow you know i'm glad to hear you say that because i almost i i lobbied her to, to take those little pieces out of the show because i thought it was too uh, I thought it interrupted everything else, but I, uh, you're not the first. Yeah. I've had a lot of people because it, the, the, what I, what I call it, uh, tricks of the trade, I believe, or something. But yeah, that is what you call it. It was little, the most basic things that that a lot of people pass over, like what what kind of pick should I be yep. using? What size? What thickness? How should I hold it? Mm -hmm. um, you know, how should I tune my guitar? Mm -hmm. What what guitar should I play? Does this fit me, or does does it fit the song? I mean, just so many. There's so many. So many little things that uh, they make a big difference. They can, and they can also, as a songwriter, it can open up your creative flow a little bit. You know, just finding one new little trick. Mm -hmm. uh, fires you up and makes you want to uh create something so you can use that trick you know? yeah yeah I, I thought it was really helpful i mean like um thanks yeah it's and it but i think the other thing that it led it lended to the show was a window you are talking process with these songwriters mm -hmm. in the show barnegie hall yeah but you're also that that little bit about you're a songwriter but you're also a hell of a guitar player and so that little bit about like what you're thinking about when you're playing guitar yeah um and the, the choices that you make for a creative and for someone especially for a songwriter or a guitar player that was super helpful to connect those two disciplines of yours yeah you know yeah. well like i said it, it for me it's it's all people ask me well, what comes first, the words or the music or, you know, mm -hmm. for me, there's no first or second. It, it's all one thing. That's it's, amazing. It's, uh, it's words and music and the, and the way you play it and the way you sing it and the way you feel it and the, the whole presentation. It's one, one thing in the end. When you stand up there in front of a group of folks, uh... And it, you may have some killer, killer lyrics, but if you just slop your way through them yeah. and, and people aren't going to get it. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, you know, you got some are, some people are better than others. But even if, you know, like I've heard people say, man, I can't stand to hear Bob Dylan sing. Well, Maybe so, but he he you gotta hand it to him. He he has a he has a way of presenting his songs that uh, maybe not every one of them will strike you, but I guarantee you, if you sit and listen to him uh, in concert, 
for an hour, you're going to hear several things that are going to knock you out. Mm-hmm. And, because he will he will grab you with with that presentation. Mm-hmm. So you know you you got to work within your limits too. I mean, I'm not saying I'm any better than Bob Dylan or anybody else. I I just you take what you got and try to squeeze the most out of it. Yeah, work within your strengths and whatever your constraints are, right? I think that's interesting, too. I wonder if there's parallels there between that and what you did when you were writing for the publishing company where there's, like, restrictions, kind of, right? you got to be there at a certain time, and you got to do things in a certain way. Sometimes that restriction can actually be really freeing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, uh, there there was a lot of... uh, uh, Oh, what am I trying to say? There was a lot of... um, opportunities to learn both what to do and what not to do mm-hmm. uh, in that in that experience and i'm so glad i had it, it yeah. because it was like i don't think i'd be right in the way i am today if i had not had that experience to kind of guide me and 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 show me what it is that i love yeah. Because at that time, I don't think I really knew yet. I, oh, I, interesting. I mean, I loved a lot of stuff, but I can't do all of that stuff. So I had to kind of distill it down into what I can do and make that work the best I could. So anyway. Were you learning that from just trial and error from other people? Well. Or both? <laughs> uh, again, both. Yeah. Because, I, man, I was lucky. I was writing with some of the best well, all those folks you saw on the Barnegie Hall show, yeah, I was writing with them. We yeah. all grew up together. Yeah, yeah. So it was a heck of a class. It's an amazing group of people. <laughs> yeah. I think in those 13 shows, we had something like 45 number ones. <laughs> we had, there's several Grammys. Grammys yeah. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of uh, 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 songwriter uh Hall of Fame songwriters. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a pretty impressive list. And the, the beautiful part of it is that, that those are my friends. Those are your friends, yeah. I just called them up <laughs> one afternoon, and I got those 13 people to come. That's amazing, and sit, man. sit around and pick with me and uh, made a show out of it. That's so, amazing. Yeah. The, do you get together with those folks now? Do you sit and write uh, with them or have creative sessions? You know, very rarely, because we're yeah. all pretty much out there in the world doing it. Doing it, yeah. And uh, when we come home, that's our off time. Yeah. You know, I come home, I've got to do stuff like uh, clean the gutters and, yeah. you know, take out the trash. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I wish we could, uh, but occasionally there'll be a good... There'll be a good uh, jam session breakout, and you'll get a call, and hey, you need to get over here. So and so just showed up, and yeah, yeah. There had to be a lot of those kinds of moments in the touring with Guy days too. A lot of those sort of like, I would. That's what I'm picturing at least. Um, it, it was he. Guy loved that kind of stuff. That's one of the things he loved the most about it was sitting around swapping songs and licks and uh, stories and so yeah he there were there 
there were some wild <laughs> times around his kitchen table, dining room table. It was kind of like he sort of, as I understand it, that space was kind of like encouraged for people to stop by, right, and talk talk shop and write yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, he, he, guy would almost challenge you to, you know, what, you got anything new? You know? <laughs> well, man, when you gonna play me a new song? I mean, it was like that. He, he wouldn't let you slack off. Yeah. And uh, and then you know, it was kind of scary for me, especially in the beginning, because guy wouldn't like throw out the compliments that easily. I mean, he he'd mm. nod or something, and, and but if you. If you did nail one, man, he he would, you know, he would want you to play it everywhere you went. Wow. Play him, play him at Joe Walker's Mary, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, gosh, he was just. I was. I always said it was kind of like getting to paint with Picasso every day. Seriously. Yeah. Did you have sessions where the? Did you have like? a lot of set I know you guys wrote together was it a frequent thing where you would set aside time to do it or was it more spontaneous in the earlier days the first you know 10 10 years 15 years uh we would you know we'd yeah. we'd set up an appointment uh, put it in the books and and uh sit down and go to work and then it kind of we we were spending so much time together, you know. We I mean we traveled so many days a year, and uh, it, it got to that point where you know we we when we came home off the road we didn't want to see each other uh -huh. for a week. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I wondered about that with your yeah. relationship because it's like you guys were really close friends. But he's also so it seems to be a bit of a mentor to you in oh, some ways, right? Absolutely, a mentor uh, uh, in the first degree. Yeah. Um, but you know, as things as as the years went along, uh, it it just got to be more of a you know, guy started his health started failing and. I found myself becoming a bit more of a caretaker, oh. and that started to feel awkward. And I and it was for him too, you know, because yeah. he needed my help, just doing, doing physical, simple things, you know. Right. And uh, that was that's kind of the main reason. I, I just kind of needed a break from him when when the road trip was over i needed to kind of regroup and uh, clear my head and my thoughts and everything in order to to be able to come back and do it again with with conviction you know? yeah that's really hard especially with someone who's larger than life like guy you know it's like yeah. the the adage about you know the the sort of your when your when your father for example like my dad uh recently just as i've seen him get older and some of the things he can't do he used to come here with me every every time you know and and he'd camp with me and yeah. now he can't really do it you know he just yeah. doesn't he physically isn't capable of it and it really wears on me you know just seeing him in that way because he was superman yeah. you know exactly. when i was growing up and so yeah. 
like taking care of somebody like guy who you who you were you know running with for 20 some years right when you guys were on the road like 20 yeah plus years 25 or something like that to do you have are you naturally do you have that caretaker uh kind of bent to you oh yeah really you know and that was that's part of the problem if i could just leave things alone and let things be but i uh you know guy as he as he was uh getting weaker and and in more pain and mm-hmm. he would get grumpier and like mm. especially one of the most dreaded things was our sound checks because guy would just he would chew up the sound men and spit them out oh. and and then i would secretly go back around behind the building and and find the sound guy and go oh man you know don't take that personally guy's just in pain you know he's not feeling good and so i was constantly trying that's to exhausting verla yeah it was and i and uh so that that's why i had to have a break when we got home you know yeah to recharge but you know here's the thing he he was giving me so much and gave me so much so many opportunities taught me so much uh-huh. that i was just trying to earn my keep and pay him back a, just a little bit of what he'd given me so yeah. it's all good it, in the end it's it's all it's all just exactly right that's awesome man <laughs> what a great attitude to have about that i mean it, it sounds like um it just sounds like so much but i guess when you love somebody that much you know you do whatever and you and you and you've receive so much from them um i guess it is natural to to give back in whatever way you can um i I just wonder like what kind of toll that takes on you you know like did you what do you do what did you do then and what do you do even now um for self-care like how do you well i tell you i i i I should do more uh well we were talking about yoga yeah earlier uh yep. you know i should do more physical and uh, uh just more um bodily mm-hmm. uh care i think you know I, i've i've slacked i used to run and i used to ride bikes and i did mm-hmm. all this stuff and i man i've just gotten so busy i've let let all that go and i can tell it's you know my breathing is not as good and mm-hmm. my playing is not as sharp and uh, but on the mental side of everything man it it's it's better than it's ever been awesome. it, the music just carries me i mean it cleanses me uh no matter no matter what's going on, when I take the stage or when I get in front of a group of folks, yeah, the music just carries me. It's like riding on a wave or a, or a breeze, and and then I'm I just feel, you know, I'm I feel re- recharged and I feel perfect until the next time I get up there, and I and I just look forward to the next time because I know how good I'm going to feel. That's beautiful. Now if I could just get get my butt in gear and and uh do some exercise i think i could 
I think I could go a long time doing this. Well, it's a, that. I mean, I think that's the key, right? Is yeah. that like I I finally have identified, uh, and it, there, the, I'm not about to hit you with any major wisdom here. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> this is like no shit, dude. Why did why didn't you recognize this before? Kind of wisdom. But if I exercise in some capacity every day, yeah. right? It doesn't have to be. I'm training for a marathon right now, so oh, the, the runs really? are pretty intense. Yeah. But if it's an, a, an off day like today, I'm yeah. gonna walk probably ten miles. Today, oh you know, yeah, around, here in the around, park. Around, yeah, yeah, the park. <coughs> if I if I if I exercise, if I write every day, <laughs> and that doesn't mean I'm writing a song. It doesn't mean I'm writing a story. It just means if I'm putting words down and yeah. doing the work, and if I read a little something every day, then I everything else is better, yeah. right? I'm funnier. I'm nicer. <laughs> I'm more relaxed. And yep. it's not a magic formula. No, it's not. It's real easy, yeah. actually. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> but if I don't do those things, excuse me, if I don't do those things, then I'll see it show up yep. in other parts of my life. And so yep. the, if you're doing the exercise, then your guitar playing, like you said, is sharper. I love yep. how you put it that way. Like, yes, yeah, of course it is. It, your senses are just keener. Yeah. Um, and... Um, every everything is just clearer and smoother and better and and it, so that's that's my vow to you brother I'm gonna right. I'm gonna start uh, getting on top of that because I you know it's funny I keep talking about guy but I I look back and I remember exactly when he hit this point I'm at this point where uh, I remember him hitting this because uh, guy used to be man he could like drink whiskey all night yeah he could jump up and we'd go play golf the next morning then we'd play a show and then and he was still and then one day i noticed he was just kind of, you know his breathing wasn't as is uh precise when he sang and he was missing a lick here and there and and i'm there mm. i saw it this morning i felt it this morning so if I don't do something, it's my own fault. I have been given the signs, and I recognize them. I'm aware of them, so here we go. Well, I'm going to check in on you, and we've got this now immortalized. On, <laughs> it's on tape. It's on tape. So yeah. everybody out there, Verlin doesn't have much of a social media presence, but he is on Facebook. <laughs> I am. You can hound him on Facebook. <laughs> And make sure he's... T- That's all I need. I want to see some yoga photos, damn it. I yeah. want to see, see you posting <laughs> yoga photos on Facebook. I'm, I'm still <laughs> trying to come to grips with yoga, but, you know... I think you got to give it a shot, man. I'm telling you, it changed my life. Well, I, I've heard so many people say that. Yeah, so. and you got an instructor you know. We just ran into her. Yeah, yeah, so. she's like... She brings. She brought a mat. She. Yeah. <laughs> all I got to do is just do get down in that dog <laughs> position and go. Various dog positions. <laughs> you can do that, man. <laughs> I, don't I don't think know. you'll have any problem getting into a dog position. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> well, Verlin, I, I stay in a dog position. Stay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> stay in the dog house, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> man, Verlin, again, such an honor. Thank you. This was so much fun once again. My pleasure, man. I always have a good time talking with you anytime. Uh, you you want to talk to me? Awesome. Uh, I'll I'll make it happen. Man, thank you so much. All right, All right brother. Thanks. Well, 
was passing by a pawn shop over in the older part of town when something caught my eye and I stopped and turned around and I went inside and there I spied in the middle of it all this beat Verlin Thompson guitar. y'all what an honor thank you so much Verlin Thank you to everybody at Spirit of the Swanee Music Park and Swanee Roots Revival for having me every year. I'm so grateful for these opportunities. We have one more in this Swanee series, um, and that's going to be with Seth Walker returning. And then after that, I just sat down yesterday with Caleb Cottle. Um, I'm recording this on a Monday, and I sat down with Caleb here at Marinade Studios after getting a chance to see him play the Folk Yeah Festival, which I was honored to be a part of as well. And um, that conversation was deep and and thoughtful, and I'm so excited for y'all to hear my conversation with with Seth and one, and then also my conversation with Caleb. Give us a follow on your podcast app, please, and a rating. Hit that subscribe button. Follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, We're especially active on Twitter and uh, to some extent on Instagram. But, um, you know, if you send us a message or or give us a mention, I'll get to it on any of those platforms. And we love interacting in that way. Like, I I really appreciate every little thing. Anytime you can share a link that I I send out or anytime you can click like um, uh, on anything that I post uh, about the show, it makes a huge difference. And I'm just so grateful for all of you for interacting with us in that way. Um, Tell a friend about the show. If uh, you really like what we're doing, maybe go that extra mile and join our Patreon community where you can get exclusive content like our Patreon only show, Jason's Journey, where I talk about the moments that have shaped my creative life uh, for just a few bucks a month. Um, and if that's not something that you're prepared to, to, to do or you can't swing at the moment, just all those other free things make a huge difference and we greatly appreciate them. All right, y'all, it's time for what I'm getting down on the segment where I talk about the art that is inspiring me at the moment. I've been really fired up about a few things, especially TV um, and film. We, we started, um, well, I say we, I started watching The Leftovers. My partner, Chris, was already watching it. Um, I was trying to sleep with our five-month-old puppy nonsense, but I couldn't stay asleep because of uh, the pull from this show. It's written by Damon uh, Lindelof, who also wrote Lost, which I have not watched, and then Watchmen, the series, which if you listen to the show, you know I have been just completely devouring. Um, And, you know, it's interesting because I think in the last year, and this is something that Caleb Cottle and I talked about, I've been really interested in television writing, not so much as a potential discipline for myself, but um, but just because I, I'm so into the work of Brian Koppelman and Craig Mazin, um, and I listen to them on podcasts talk about their process, uh, and then also consume their art, the, the art that they create, and I just find it so interesting, and I think there are lessons to be learned from uh, screenwriting um, that can transfer over into other creative disciplines. Um, the other night we also watched uh, Sunset Boulevard, the classic film noir, and it just floored both of us. Like, you know, sometimes I think in 2019 I'll be guilty of like of watching television and checking Twitter on my phone or checking my fantasy football team or you know stopping to play with the dog or whatever um, or leave, even leaving the room. I, I didn't used to do that, and I've noticed recently I do that more instead of totally consuming whatever I'm watching. And I'm glad that it I didn't do that with Sunset Boulevard. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to make that more of a habit, get back in the habit of really watching films. You know, David Lynch talks a lot about that. He's got a, um, a wonderful book, um, called, um, 
catching the big fish. And he talks about like just how important it is to consume the whole work and to stay focused on it. Um, so, uh, that's something that we, we both noticed with sunset Boulevard that we did. We just couldn't get enough of it. Um, lots and lots of music y'all. Um, just, you know, I've been really fortunate to get, um, to be sent a lot of things, uh, in, in recent, um, recent weeks, uh, that have stirred me, but the, the record I keep coming back to is Joe Henry. Um, that the gospel according to water is just breathtaking. And, um, I just can't get enough of it. I mean, uh, I wasn't familiar with his work and, uh, Jason Isbell tweeted about him and, and said some glowing things. And anytime Isbell talks, of course I listen. Um, just totally blown away, man. I mean, just totally blown away. And then the other thing that, that really has me fired up is attending the Folk Yeah Festival here in Orlando. Um, Mike Dunn puts it together. Mike's a musician and photographer, um, who is just a dear, sweet guy. And he, he started this kind of labor of love a few years ago and it's, it keeps growing. I mean, this year, Zach Williams of the Lone Bellow, Caleb Cottle, Have Gun, Will Travel. There were some bigger names that played. Uh, usually it's just kind of local, you know, local names and, and people that maybe are big in, in this world here, but not necessarily national touring acts. And this time uh, I had the honor, Jordan Foley asked me to do, um, to host a uh, songwriter in the round kind of situation. And it, it evolved from something that I thought was going to be um, more kind of labor intensive on my part. Like I was going to ask questions of the artists and then we just decided to kind of let the song shine. Um, I did ask a couple of questions, but for the most part, I just got out of their way and, and let people play their beautiful songs and there was just so much talent and that lineup was so well balanced. It, there, there were people, the, the showcase that I hosted is called songwriters on the rise. And it's a, a series that, that Jordan does every two weeks at a local venue here where he brings in a songwriter that, um, is kind of, you know, on the rise, so to speak. And, um, and they, they kind of play in the round he and, he and the songwriter do. And this was amazing. This was like, Every song was just leveling the room. And it was cool because, you know, a lot of people that attended were songwriters themselves. And so um, there was a, I, I think that led to a lot of respect for the music. Um, in that listening room, it was just dead quiet. It was just, it was so nice. It was just, and we've talked about this on this show before. And then with my Patreon community, we talk about this. Uh, we've talked about this before. The idea of like, respecting the music and listening to the music and taking it in um instead of having a conversation that might distract somebody else uh this was such a reverent uh festival and everybody was so focused on on the on the craft and on the music uh, and it was just a beautiful feeling you know and so i was so grateful to be a, a part of it i didn't do much i was just emceeing the stage um which is pr pretty much in my wheelhouse and pretty easy for me, but, uh, I just couldn't, I'm just so grateful to Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. And, uh, thank you to Mike and everybody over at, uh, at Will's pub and, and little Indies here in town where we record so many of our episodes, uh, for the marinade, but it's just got, it got me fired up, you know, just seeing that much talent and getting to have so many conversations about creativity. It makes me want to sit down and write and do things. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm on fire right now. I'm, I'm extremely excited about what we have going on for the, for the marinade and then some of my other creative pursuits. 
Until next time, y'all, thank you so much for listening. Go out and create something. Cheers, y'all.